Well, we pick up in our time again here in the Word of God in Romans chapter 12. So please turn there in your Bible, Romans chapter 12. We, we started in Romans 12 last week and we pick it up again here uh, this morning, understanding that uh, in Romans, it's the letter that instructs us about the gospel of God, that God in his holiness and in his perfection has provided man, the rebel, man, the sinner, man, the evildoer, with his own righteousness. God did that. God brought that about in an amazing way. So it's, we, we understand here's the, that broad uh, stroke of the, uh, the book of Romans is here's God's righteousness. And then here's man's rebellion. Man in rebelling against God has suppressed the truth and he's exchanged the, the truth of God for a lie. Okay? And that's the story of man apart from God. But here's God's remedy to make us fit for heaven, and that is to give us his righteousness so that we would have, uh, so that we believers would be fit for heaven. And that's, that's the key, folks, is that you are fit for heaven, and there's only one way it's through the righteousness of in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Okay? All right. It's not... You don't get that righteousness by being a a good little Sunday school attendant. You don't get that righteousness by perfect attendance in church. You don't get that righteousness any other way but through faith in Christ Jesus. Faith alone in Christ alone. Okay? And so, in Romans, we read of that and, and understand that, that that's how we're made right with God, is that we receive the righteousness of Christ. The very righteousness of Christ is credited to your account through faith in Christ. All right? And man's response of faith, and man's response, if, if you said, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, then you have responded in faith to God's remedy. That's Jesus Christ. All right? And in that, then comes that first term, justification by faith. Romans chapter 5. And then comes sanctification. The, the, the declaration of God's righteousness upon you, justification. And sanctification then is that process in which you grow. And that's what God expects for everyone who, who says they're a Christian. It's not just for some elite group. It's for every Christian. I think about it this way. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, you know, he talked about being a, um, you know, the, the good farmer. And he talked about the, the good athlete. And he talked about the good soldier. Those are three illustrations for every Christian and what it ought to be like. Some of you are farmers. And you know that, you know, you go home, you've got the, you've got the equipment, you've got the land, uh, you've even got the clothes. <laughs> But if you just sit on your rear end, what kind of farmer are you? Same thing in sports. You make the team, you get the, the uniform, 
and you get the ball or the whatever. But if you sit on your rear end, what kind of athlete are you? Same thing with a soldier. You enlist in the Navy, you know, and you, you can get the uniform. But once you enlist and get the uniform and sit down, you're in trouble now. <laughs> you're in big trouble if you're doing that in the, in the military. See, that's the thinking that the Bible gives us about being a, a Christian. And so many of us in this day and age, we've got the right answers. We say, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But you know what we're doing? We get the uniform. We get the equipment. We get everything that God's provided. And then what do we do? We sit on our duffs. And there's no active service. And that is a oxymoron. That's an oxymoron. That, that doesn't make sense. According to God and His Word. And that's what we're dealing with here in Romans 12. We say, hey, we want to be a church that makes an impact. And we read Romans 12. Look at it. Look at it in your Bible. Romans 12, verse 3 through 13. And we see you know, all these great phrases, these practical statements. And the, the way to get to that and be an effective church is to understand Romans 12, 1 and 2. Actually, Romans 11 verse 33, and on to Romans 12, verse 2. If you'll take time to let that sink into your thinking, okay, and then follow through with it, not just have it sink into your thinking, but follow through with what it says, present your body as a sacrifice to God, a living sacrifice. Present your body that way. And then renew your mind. And that's where we left off last week, is in renewing your mind. Okay? I hope that the illustrations of the farmer, the soldier, and the athlete, you, you grab one of those and, and run with that and, and live with that. I, I typically lean towards the athlete thing. You know, and I, I love that, you know, that image that comes forth. You can, you can have it all. And yet, if you're sitting on the sidelines doing nothing, saying, what a great athlete you are, you're not much of an athlete if you don't get in the game. You're not much of a farmer if you don't get out and do the work. You're not much of a soldier, etc., etc., okay? That's, what, that's where Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, is taking us, okay? So, look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. Let's... I'm going to read it. Just follow along. I urge you, therefore, brethren, he's talking to Christians, by the mercies of God, all that you can read in the book of Romans and all that you can categorize with what God has done out of his mercy to you, that's what is motivating you now, Christian, to then live for him, to present your body to him. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay? So, 
of the two, you know, here, here are the two best instruments that you can give to God. Your body and your mind. Christian, have you done that yet? Have you done that? Young person, is it, if, you're, if you're saying you're a Christian, is it your body or God's body? See, and God's not um, a big mean slave driver. God knows what's best. And so when we follow through on this, you'll see growth. You'll see God's blessing in your life. Okay? So we're to present our body and then we're to renew our minds. And we want to renew our minds for these reasons. Number one, I said last week, to avoid looking like the world. And that's in your, your thought life. That you don't look like the world in your thought life. Where it's all about me. Or it's all about my bank account. Or it's all about anything to do with me. God's saying, no, it's, it's about God's glory. It's about Christ and His perfection. And so I, I need to renew my mind so that I would, number one, avoid looking like the world. And you say, wait a minute, why are you emphasizing that negative aspect first? Well, that goes along with Scripture. You look at Psalm chapter 1, and that will reflect that same kind of thing. How blessed is the man, Psalm 1, who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Okay? So scripture there in Psalm 1 starts with this, how blessed in, in this negative sense. So we want to avoid looking like the world. And, and Paul says, do not be pressed into the mold. Don't fashion yourselves after the ways of the world. And then secondly, that you would be changed. By God. That's why we want to renew our minds. It's so that God would change your, your ways of thinking and your ways of behaving and your ways of communication. Okay? If you're not careful in this regard, Christian, you will start acting more and more like a worldling. A, a person of the world. You'll, you'll just start talking in that way. You'll start think Because if you're talking that way, you're, you're thinking in that way. Right? And God's saying, present your body and renew your mind. Do not love the world, neither the things of the world. And so you and I have to determine and identify what those things are. And I mentioned last week also, it's not so much about, you know, it is a problem of, you know, <laughs> drinking and chewing and smoking, all those kinds of things. But that's, you can go much, much deeper than those things. Those things would still be a concern for hindering your growth. But it's, it's deeper things, okay? Issues like jealousy. Issues just like uh, coveting. Uh, lust. A number of things that deep down in the heart are brewing. Sins of the heart, right? For those of you that were in Sunday school, you heard about that right here in the auditorium. Sins of the heart. I'd encourage you to come either to this one in Sunday school time in the auditorium or to the fellowship hall or um, 
there's the, a class that's you know going through Second Peter there. Join us for that time because it helps renew your mind. Okay? So, renewing your mind. You say, well, how do I do that? Do I just show up at church? Does it happen magically? No, it doesn't happen magically. It starts in salvation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a, what? New creature. All things pass away. Behold, all things are new. And so that's where it starts in salvation. Okay? And it happens when then you, Christian, you're saved, you're counted as a brother or sister in Christ because of faith in Christ alone. And now you start responding to God in faith and obedience, in trust and obedience. You start responding to Him. And you start investing time in the Word of God. Why? Because you see something far greater here in the Word of God than anything the world can offer. But you and I, many of us, we've all gotten hooked like a fish and drawn away, reeled away, because here's this stuff uh, that the world offers. And so we've got this problem that we end up looking more like the world in our behavior, in our conversation, than we do like a, a true believer in Jesus Christ. Having a renewed mind calls you and I to be thinking. We ought to be thinking Christians, all right? You're in Romans. Turn over really quickly. The very next book, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to put together a string of verses right now at this time and look at some of them. 1 Corinthians 14 at verse 20. The, the church at Corinth was not a very godly, mature church. They were having problems. And Paul writes to them, and he says here in chapter 14, verse 20, Brethren, do not be children in your thinking. Yet in evil, or regarding evil and its practices, be infants, be babes, be innocent, okay? But in your thinking, be mature. Stop and think a minute. Chris gave the report on the Heatons here. Do you know something? What the Heatons are going through? An attack on their family? Can you cross over in your mind and see that happening to you as a Christian? That's what's going on in this world. There are attacks upon our lives, and a lot of it is just that we, individually, we allow the attacks to come because we're not thinking. We don't have the guards up to what's going on in the world. And then I have people say to me, oh, I'm just going through a tough time. I'm having a really tough time with things. Well, yeah, and here's why. You don't have your guard up. And here's, Jesus is is my captain, is, is what we have to say individually as, as believers. Jesus is my Lord. And the Word of God is a light unto my feet, lamp unto my path. I might have switched that up there, but... Okay? Psalm 119 there. So we, we must understand that. We've got to be mature in our thinking. Um, okay? Here's the next one. The next reference. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go there. 
Turn over a couple of books. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. This is talking about how the ministry ought to be done. God's blueprint for the church and its ministry is that he gave some, verse 11, chapter 4, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the purpose, the equipping of the saints for the work of service or ministry to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain unto the unity of faith. That's one of the goals, is that we are... There's a unity in Christ. A unity in the faith. So that we would be a mature man. See that? To a mature man. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. There's, There's the blueprint. The living Lord Himself. He's the example. That we grow in maturity to Him. And as a result, verse 14, look at it. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. What a great picture. Being tossed around here or there because of the storms, the figurative storms that we are referred to here in the Word of God. And that's what happens if you're not being a thinking Christian. Right. Um, let's go to Hebrews chapter 5. You see it in another way. To mature, believers are to mature in this way. Hebrews chapter 5, starting at verse 12. And this is a, this is a, a challenge to the, the modern day church. For us, right here in Fallon, across America. And it's this. Hebrews 12, uh, 5, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary pl- principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk, not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food is for the mature, because who, because of practice, uh, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. And I want you to mark that word, to discern good and evil, because that's where we're headed in the passage in Romans 12. So it's, it's for this reason, to discern between good and evil. Therefore, chapter 6, verse 1, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us what? Let us press on to maturity. Okay? And that's, that gets into doctrine, that we need to be maturing in the things of doctrine, in the things of theology. And another issue of our church, um, of the, ch- the modern church in America today, is that theology has not been on the, you know, one of the top things on the list. Doctrine is not that big of a thing. What? What is? Well, we have a, a great worship service. You know, and we have, you know, emotional times, you know. And those are, that, that's fine, but that's not the priority. If you tally it up as you're studying and reading Scripture, you'll see that the, the greater concern of God is about doctrine and 
and where your heart really lies, where your heart is with these things. Because the more you can understand and grow in things of knowledge, in things of doctrine, the more you're going to have an anchor that's going to settle that uh, shifting way in life. All the, the storms of, of life, so to speak, out in the sea, you're going to be anchored better because of doctrine that's going to settle you down. Okay? So, a number of ways to call us to maturity in our thinking. Mark it, if you're taking notes, mark it down, 1 Corinthians 13. Okay? Mature in love is the theme there. Mature in love. Also, another one in 1 Corinthians is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, where it talks about, again, uh, needing to mature in our behavior. All sorts of ways that relate back to how we're, what? Thinking. All right? Let me just ask real quickly here. No matter how long you've been, if you say you're a Christian, no matter how long you've been a Christian, do you get to feel like you're just a failure? You just get to feel like, you know what, I I just don't rate, and so therefore I don't get to serve in the church because I I just seem to be a, a failure, or I just don't, you know, make the grade. And that's what we struggle with. That's what all of us struggle with. I can, I can walk off after Sunday and feel totally defeated because I, I didn't bring the goods like I should have or something. Or it, it doesn't matter what day it is. There's times where your thinking, my thinking, leads me away from the truths of His Word and then I get to feeling, woe is me, I'm down in the dumps. And where ought the Christian to really be in his in his or her understanding. Close to, the, close to the rock. Close to the refuge. Close to the rescuer, Jesus himself. Close to Jesus. Close to the good shepherd. So that I can hear his voice, if you will, telling me what he has accomplished on my behalf. And therefore I can rest in what he's done. I can re- not just rest, but rejoice in what he's done for us, Right? But if my thinking gets shifted over to more about Woody or more about you, yeah, it's, it's a guarantee. We're going to start feeling lonely, feeling, you know, uh, of no worth in that sense. I, I, you know, I'm no good. I can't do anything. No. See, Christ has provided for us so that we would be strong in Him. Okay? Now, let me ask this question. Um, I'll refer to Al Munoz. Al Munoz, he mentioned about um, little Jameson. There is a, you know, obviously a problem there. Jameson is, you know, one of these little ones that you could, in a, in a big guy's hand, he's just, he gets lost in the palm of the guy's hand. He's two pounds and some ounces, you know. And so that obviously there's a problem there. Of, he needs to what? He needs to grow. His lungs need to develop. Please continue to pray for little Jameson and and Michael and Heidi, the parents, and Al and Terry, the grandparents. All right, but um, you know what? 
normally speaking, what's going on? Little baby starts growing. And the baby gets stronger. And the next thing you know, you turn around and you see that little baby and he's running around in your front yard or your living room. And he's growing. And the next thing you turn around, he's in high school. Or she's in high school. And, and all these things are going on. There's growth. God expects you to grow. How are you going to grow? It starts with presenting your body and renewing your mind. But if you're not investing time in that, you will not grow. You won't grow. You'll be like the soldier that's all outfitted, but he's sitting on the sidelines. Same with the athlete. Same with the farmer. And you think, wow, what a waste. What a waste. That's where we have our problems, is that if we're not doing the things that Scripture tells us to do, yeah, I end up feeling like, yeah, my life's just not where it ought to be. So, I call you, if you're saying you're a Christian, I call you, I entreat you, I urge you, like Paul here, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service of worship. And then I call you to get involved in renewing your mind for the glory of God. Okay? So, the word is full of warnings that must be heeded if we're going to grow and mature. And, and again, these, things, these are things you must, um, the, the Bible warns us of, you must steer clear of. You've got to avoid them. You know, you can mark it down. Psalm chapter 1. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. Thy word, how shall a young man keep his way pure? How shall a young man keep his way pure? Why, why do we ask that question? Because there's so many impurities out there to scar your heart and your life. And it all boils down to choices that we can learn of and you know, divert from all the scars and all the hurts of life if we will say, I need to follow the Word of God. I need to delight, Psalm chapter 1, delight in the Word of God. God, help me to learn that more and more. Help me to turn to delighting in you and in your word and not my own agenda. Um, Proverbs chapter 2. I refer you to that. We're not going to look it up, but mark it down. Proverbs chapter 2, 1 through 6. says, basically, if you do this, then this will happen. If you really seek out wisdom, then you will know God. What's Proverbs all about? It's the book of wisdom. Spend time in Proverbs. Let the, the book of Proverbs, uh, you know, saturate your thinking also. You know, so many things that God has already done for your growth. Okay? So, where is Parkside Bible Fellowship on this scale, if you will? If we were to answer that, we'd have to then really encourage each individual person about your investing time in the Word of God on your own. 
that's what's going to build a strong church is when there's individuals who are saying, yeah, I understand. I must invest time in the Word of God so that that transformation that God promised will happen, that it will take place. Are we as a church going to be measured as being immature or mature? And we would be, I'll, I'll say this, we are mature in things that we've experienced because we've got a lot of people who have served in many ways, in Sunday school, in Bible studies, home Bible studies. We've got lots of people here that have that experience. But that's past tense, my friend. What about present tense and future tense? What is it going to be? Are we going to be a mature church? Or would Paul have to write to us and say, I couldn't speak to you as mature. I have to speak to you as immature. Well, where does it all start? It starts with you individually and me individually and how we think. <laughs> how we're thinking about things. And we've got to be counseled by the Holy Spirit. The counselor, the great counselor, the wonderful counselor from his word. Okay. I want to see us be a strong church body. You know, I, I can't just say 100% we're a strong church body. We've got things we've got to improve on. But that's what we're headed towards is we want to say, let's make an impact in this community for Jesus Christ. Are we more like children in our behavior or are we more like adults in our behavior according to the word of God? Now, yeah, Jesus said, you know, if you want to enter into heaven, you've got to become like a what? A child. But over and over and over again, it's calling you and me as Christians to grow up as an adult in spiritual things. Okay? And this very passage here in Romans chapter 12, let's go back to there if you haven't already. Romans chapter 12. This is telling us, here's how you're going to avoid a lot of the pitfalls that the world throws out is if you'll track along with this practical truth, present your body and renew your mind. So, now, now that we've done that, point number three. <laughs> point number three in your outline is the process of Christian living. The process of Christian living. And this is a blend of verses one and two together. The process is that there's, it ends up being dedicated worship. Letter A, dedicated worship. This is where Christian living starts. Where does Christian living... That's the theme of our time. Where does Christian living start? In salvation. And a part of salvation is that you are a dedicated worshiper. You become a dedicated worshiper. And it's what verse 1 says is, get this, it's the logical, reasonable service of worship. That's the word. The word in that verse really is getting at, it's logical. Because of the mercies of God, here's what God's accomplished. This is the logical thing now. Present your bodies, renew your mind. And it's, it's 
this word letruo in the Greek, which talks about worship and service. It's especially from the Old Testament uh, imagery of priesthood. It's not just total worship, it's worship and service to, uh, to God. Okay? So, you offer up worship unto God now. And this is the thing we try to emphasize over and over again, and that's this. You are not just merely a worshiper once you come in these doors. You're a worshiper 24-7. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the design of God. That's the blueprint that He's given us. That we worship when we are driving wherever. We worship when we are at home. We need to be worshipers 24-7. Okay? A number of things that point us to that. So... That's the design that God gives us here. Okay? So that you'd be a dedicated worshiper. And there's not some secret, you know, avenue that you have to travel to become a dedicated worshiper. You study John chapter 4 and Jesus in his time with the, the woman at the well. And he said, the time is now that you worship in spirit and truth. Okay? Then letter B is, the process moves into then active service. This is what I've been, that I've referred to in a way already. That in presenting your body to God, you're now entering into His service. This is the logical thing to do. He saved you. Serve Him. Okay? This is God's way. It's always worship first, then service. Be a worshiper and then get involved in serving Him. It's devotion to the Lord and then active service. They're, they're inseparable. It's not like you can just choose one and say, well, I'm a really good worshiper, and so I don't want to worship. No, they go together. Worship and service. A quote from John MacArthur says, we cannot truly uh, be sacrificed to him and be inactive in his work. Okay? We not I'm sorry, let me say it again. We cannot truly be a sacrifice to God, okay, and be sacrificed to him and then be inactive in serving him. It doesn't mix. Okay? You can say, Well, I love the Lord, but if you're not serving him, does that jive with first Corinthians uh, with Romans chapter twelve? Yet there are many people who say they are devoted to Christ, that they love the Lord, but somehow they're not serving. Or, along with the other side of it, the contrary is this. Saying that people, they're, uh, they're busy serving the Lord, yet they have little devotion for Him. Or there's little devotion to Him. What's God's plan? Is that the saved person is being sanctified... And serving. It goes hand in hand. What does that lead us to? Point number four, the aim of Christian living. Romans 12, verse 2, comes the last half where it says, that you may prove or examine or discern what the will of God is. You know what, my friend? Your aim in Christian living is to know the will of God. There it is. Okay? 
there's the motivating factor in Christian living. That's, here's the mercies of God and the love of God and the works, the great works of God. And it takes you through, here's, here's the duties and here's the process. And now here is, here it is. The aim, the goal of Christian living right now is the will of God, which means the glory of God, because that's God's will, is that He be glorified in the end. He will be glorified in the end, whether you and I join Him or not. (laughs) So let's join Him in glorifying Him in our lives. Present your body and renew your mind. Don't be conformed to the ways of the world. I know it. Um, Whether it's, you know, our young people or we who are more established in the community, you know, active, involved, and all that in the community. We can show up to church. We can be, you know, um, smiling and interacting with one another here on a sunny morning. But the real test comes later today and through this week. Is it going to be evidence that you have presented your body to the Lord? Which is your reasonable service of worship. And are you going to have renewed your mind and continuing to renew your mind? The one, present your body, is a, that's basically a one-time thing. Do I have to wake up every morning and give my body to Noreen again? In other words, you know, I'm married to her. There you go. I have become one with her. But it's in the renewing of my mind that I need to continue saying, I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to demonstrate. I want to demonstrate that to her. Same thing in in the Christian realm is that you you do that. Here's this one-time act that you present your body to the Lord. And now you keep renewing your mind. Continuous action. Keep renewing your mind so that your aim then is the will of God. All right? The will of God. Letter A is, first of all, discern the will of God. Okay? Discern the will of God. The word that is used here, that you may prove what the will of God is. That's basically to discern, to to figure it out. Okay? Examine it. Test it. Assess it. And this is a very clear um, theme throughout the Scriptures, especially in the New Testament, that you understand what the will of God is. Paul prays that you will know the will of God in Colossians chapter 1 and Philippians chapter 1. That you'll know the will of God. Okay? The absence of of God's word in your life will equal your inability to know his will. You've got to have the word of God to to flush out the, the selfish stuff, the old stuff, so that you will better discern what the will of God is. And the will of God isn't something mysterious here. It's just to understand the revealed word of God, that you'll discern that more and more. It ends up in letter B that you would, the aim of Christian living is that you would delight in the will of God. That you delight in it. That you be rejoicing in His will. That you'd be rejoicing in doing what honors Him and pleases Him. This is what you and I were made for, Christian. 
to come to know Christ, to come to know God through Christ, and to live in such a way that shows you're growing in the understanding of the Word of God and live in a way that's full of grace and truth the best that we can. So, I realize that the title here that I've given this message, Christian Living, Energized or Fossilized, you know, we, we uh, have to admit that fossilized Christian living is really what I said at the beginning. That, that's a total contradiction of terms. Fossilized Christian living. But if we were to be able to nail that down and say that's a phrase, it's, it's thinking, listen, it's thinking that you are living for Christ because you got saved and you go to church, period. That's all you're doing. Saying, oh, I'm saved and I attend church and that's all I do. That's fossilized Christian living. Because you have, let's say you say, well, I've got the, I've got the answers. I can debate. But that's all you do. Well, that's still a bit of fossilized Christian living. And you say, well, I've served in every Sunday school department this church knows. I've been a deacon. I've been a trustee. <laughs> and that's what you're banking on. That, that's fossilized Christian living. See, Christ is about, it's about now. This moment, right now. How many testimonies do you read of in the Bible that refer to, you know, all the past action? It, so much of the emphasis is on right here now in the future. And that's what we have to be about. Are we walking with the Lord right now? Are we abiding in His Word? Are we trying to praise Him through the storms of life? Are we trusting in Him? Are we obeying Him? There's present tense things. That's what I need. I need that in my life. I need encouragement from you in that way. We need to encourage one another in that way. See, it gets to being, what about the energized Christian living? Energized Christian living is living out the gospel today. It's living out the gospel in your life today. It's about being transformed. It's because of His mercies that He's already shown us and knowing that we can live and give Him glory and credit and praise for what He's going to do. Energized Christian living is living for Jesus Christ. And it doesn't happen because you just were saved and that's all. It happens because you've been saved and you're growing, you're maturing, you're walking in the ways of the Lord trying to spend time in His Word. Well, I've thrown a lot of things at you here this morning. And I know that um, it really comes back down to an, an exhortation about living for Christ. That's what Romans 12 is about. So that we would then start getting into these, later on in the chapter, these one another's of the body of Christ. Okay? Energized Christian living. Living out the gospel in your life. What is that? Recognizing that you're a sinner. You, you need Jesus Christ. Admitting that God in, in, his perf, in His perfection provided man with a righteousness that would be credited to Him through faith in Christ. Have you done that today? Have you come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? 
if you don't, if you have any doubts or questions about it, I'm, I'm here. I'd love to talk to you. Other people that have been involved in our service, Chris Ward, Monty, um, our elders, our deacons, please grab somebody and talk to them about Jesus Christ. If you're not sure, you know, I'll be around. I'd love to talk to you about that. Coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior and giving Him the glory. And thus, through that, finding here's the joy of, of Christian living. Here's the joy of living. It's Christ. Heavenly Father, we praise You and thank You for all that You have accomplished for Your glory. And we praise you that Jesus came being the the precious, the spotless Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. And as we have placed our faith in Christ, we are the recipients of His righteousness. What an amazing exchange. Please help us, Lord, to live for you this day, to be renewing our minds and to be walking with you. Lord, make, help us to make a difference in this community. Help us to be a people that are truly changed by your grace and your love. And we'll give you the praise for it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.